Wow, what a beautiful song. Okay, welcome to Ray Mahuvim. This is a Rabbi Yitz Greenfield, MS Marriage and Family Therapy. I'm so happy you're joining me on jrootradio.com. For those of you who are new listeners, here is what we do. We try to learn and develop new skills and tools to renew and strengthen the connection you have with your spouse. We do this not only from a social science perspective, but we use the Torah as our guide and source of navigation. And you're listening to me. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in this week. Thank you. And I know, you know what I know? I'll tell you what I know. I know that Baruch Hashem, I feel like, you know, and this is what I'm talking about in a second. My audience, whoever you are, I meet a lot of you on the street, and I get a lot of your texts. And Baruch Hashem, we do this again every week, over and over and over again. So why don't we just do it a couple of weeks, get it over with. I'll know exactly what to do in my marriage. I'll know how to act to my spouse. I'll know what to say to my spouse. And that's it. It's, it's, just, it's over. And then it'll just be over and then we'll know how to do it. Because guess what? It's a test every day. It doesn't go away. The challenge doesn't go away. In marriage, every day is a test. Either you're successful or you failed. You can't look at it during you can't look at it like sort of how was the week, how was the month, how was today? And if I failed yesterday, I can be successful today. Because Hashem, not because even myself, because Hashem wants me to have a successful relationship with my spouse. Of course I feel good. Of course my spouse feels good. My husband will feel really good about it if we feel connected. My wife will feel good about it if we feel connected. But let's put that away for just a second. What about Hashem? I'm looking at the base of Migdash again. Again, in the studio. Those of you who heard me last week, in the studio, there's a base of Migdash over here. By the way, it's a live show, May 12, 2016. You might be hearing this Monday night. But for those of you who are listening to me, at 11.09 and 18 seconds, there's a countdown here in the studio. So that gives us exactly how much time we have left. 50 minutes and 37 seconds. Oh, boy. I want to tell you, thank you for listening. Really, why do I say thank you for listening? Because it, 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 I feel like I am Zoha, because all that I say is real, like I'm standing on, on shoulders of giants. I really, really am. Mamre Chazal. I, I speak about things that, you know, that Chazal have been telling us for years and years and years. It's all there. It's all there in the Torah. And of course, it's just, I'm not going to, you know, let's not take away the social sciences. I'm not saying, you know, Chachma Bagayim, yes. But what I want to tell you is that we do this together every week. And you're listening to me again, Baruch Hashem. Why? Because you know it's important to listen. Because you're going to be tested again. Because marriage is a challenge. And it's important to learn. It's important to know. And you know what's important? It's important to give chizuk. It's important for us to meet each other and to give each other chizuk. And what I'm talking about is not just myself, but this Sunday... We put a venue together, myself, Mordechai Weinberger, who I'm sure if you listen to this radio station, I'm sure you've heard him. He is amazing. He's amazing. Mordechai Weinberger, myself, we actually got someone else, Dr. Alfredo Nodman, Dr. Ephraim Nodman, one of the most noted and respect, re, respectable psychiatrists in the community. Uh, he's actually assistant professor at Wealth Cornell Medical Center. Very, very competent fellow. Very, very good. Very, very good. Anybody who's in the field knows. He'll be speaking about medication, psychiatric issues. And I think this is very important because, you know, many times in, in toxic relationships, what happens is one spouse will think, oh, my, my, my husband is just, you know, he must be mentally ill. There must be a problem. Sometimes he is. Sometimes he is. Sometimes, sometimes we're just exaggerating. We're putting labels. We have to be careful. So why don't you come here, an expert, speak about that? Because he's going to be speaking about the psychiatric side. We're going to be speaking about the communication side. Mordechai Weinberger will be focusing on parenting. I'm going to be focusing on marriage. But Rabbi Greenfield, like radio. No, no, no. It's very, very different. Very, very different when we do it live. You're going to see why, because you're going to be able to ask questions. It'll be engaging. It'll be more of an opportunity to observe. And it gives chizik to everybody. It gives chizik to the people who are there. It gives chizik to us as the hosts. It just gives chizik to everybody. And Baruch Hashem, you know, you know you've used a lot of, uh, Baruch Hashem, again, this is not my, you know, 
it, it's HaKadosh Baruch Hu being mezakami, but when we use the skills and tools that we speak about here every week, you see how it changes your lives. All the feedback that I get, right? We see it change our lives. I'm telling you, you listen to me every week, and even if you don't listen to me every week, you listen to me every other week, oh, like, you know, I hear your show, it's a great show, I don't get a chance to hear it, you know, I hear that all the time. You know what? Here's your opportunity. Come on down, Sunday night, Sunday night. Yes, it's going to be not only an amazing, amazing program, but as is Hashem Yisbarach, but also, ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be an opportunity to help J-Root, yeah, to help J-Root Radio, which you're listening to right now, like, who doesn't listen to J-Root these days, right? And if you're in Brooklyn, if you're in Brooklyn, or all around the world, you're, you're listening to the, through the app, through the phone, there's so many ways to listen, but in Brooklyn, right, people listen. So you know what? Here's an opportunity. Come on down. It's I say, oh, show your support for J-Root. You know, you put that aside, show your support, which you really should. You really, really should. But you know what? Just come on down. You're going to have an amazing night in Mir Hashem. You'll empower yourselves. You'll empower your family. You'll walk out there with skills and tools. Obviously, it's one night. only so much we can do. I know Rabbi Weimager is going to be having a parenting workshop after that. I'm actually planning to have a marriage workshop we're going to set up. And I actually really thought of a great way to do it because I... I, I, people ask me, why do you do telecon? Why do you do a teleconference workshop, Rabbi Greenfield? It'll be so much easier. People don't necessarily have to come down. And I always think I like seeing people. I like working with people. I like in, being engaged and 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 hearing what people have to say. I said, you know what we're gonna do after uh, the event in Mitzvah We're gonna have a workshop. It'll be let's call it like a hybrid workshop. If you want to come down, we're gonna have it live. And if you want, if you don't want to come down, you want to have a teleconference. It'll be a long-term workshop. But you know what? Why don't you come down to the event? Start with that. Come down to the event. It's really not, it doesn't cost a lot of money. I think tickets are $36 per person, um, $60 per couple. If you buy them, if you buy them now or tomorrow, you can actually get it for cheaper. You can get it for, what is it? I think, um, oh boy, $30 per person and $50 per couple. And if you still can't afford that because you're in Kolel, you're in Chinuch, you're just down and out, they say send. Send them an email, direction, uh, directions mega event. There we go. Directions, directions mega event at gmail.com. That's directions mega event at gmail.com. They'll send you some sort of code to get it even you know, cheaper if you mamish can't afford it. But this, the money's going, all this ticket money, where's it going for J Root Radio to support them? And believe you me, J Root can always use the money, especially now. It's hard, it's very tight. A lot of volunteers working here, a lot of volunteers working here, etc. So the point of the matter is, the point of the matter is for myself, for Mordechai Weinberger, marriage counselors and therapists, and we're going to have a psychiatrist down there. We want to give you an opportunity. I, I want to tell you something else, by the way. I actually spoke to uh, a big guddle about this, this event who gave me a big bracha also, Rebbe Ruben Feinstein Shlita, who gave me a big bracha. And he said, you know, he said to me, he said to me, Rebbe Greenfield, I just want to tell you, whatever, he said to me, listen, I want to tell you one thing. He said to me, I hope people come. I really hope people come. That's what he said to me. Mr. Ruvain said, I hope people come to this event. I really hope people come to this event. I asked him to come down and speak. He wasn't able to come down this year. Maybe he'll come down next year. But he said, I hope people, because this is necessary. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to me right now, right now, May, May 12th, I know a lot of you listen every week. You're, you're which is great. It's not of me. It's of the information that we talk about. but The skills and the tools and you integrate it into your life. You know what? Come down Sunday. Come down Sunday. I know it's hard. And by the way, you're going to see something's going to come up that's going to be very hard for you to, to come up. I, I can already tell you. I, I know my Sasatan. I can tell you how these things work. Something's going to come up this Sunday where you're going to be, oh, I wanted to go to the event. I really wanted to go to the event, but I'm not able to because something came up. My friend asked me to, to help him with a CM or this or that or the other thing. Now, come down. Come down anyways. Fight the Yetzirah. Fight the Satan. Come down. I, I, if I can tell you how many things went wrong in order for us to get put this together, it, it's, it, it boggles the mind. And you know why I'm, t I'm saying this like on the air? Like, I'm not scared. I'm saying this on the air. You want to know why? Because that shows how important it is. You know, we're Mamina B'nai Mamina. We know good and well. Anybody who's listening to me is, I mean, okay, you, know, you never know who's listening. But even if, even if you don't have this experience and background, I think most of you know when things are like difficult and challenging and very, very hard, and it's like, I don't understand why this is not working and I'm trying to do this. It's not exactly working. It doesn't, it's just very, very hard. But you know you're doing something good 
at the end, after like all the heartache and everything, when it works out, then you understand, okay, Hashem, I understand why you made it so difficult. Because it's so important. Because it's so important. I, I can't even tell you. We, it, it just so happens to be, we, in this particular event, we're putting up the website, we asked someone to put the website, and then we had a problem with the website that wasn't taking orders. Now it is taking orders. Yeah, you can do orders. And then we had a problem with the graphics and this and that and the other thing. But you know what? For J-Root, Mordechai Weinberger, myself, Dr. Nudman, all coming down, all coming down. For what? For J-Root Radio, but more importantly, and I'll be open, for you, because that is J, what is J-Root Radio? What's J-Root Radio? Oh, you know, I'm listening to J-Root Radio now. Yeah, I listen to it, I like it, my kids like it, they love the early car show, they love this show, that show, the halacha show, and there are all these amazing shows, right? So, okay, who is it? What is J-Root Radio? It's for you, it's for you. J-Root Radio is for you, right? So, we have a person here who's Mamash Meisenefesh with J-Root. That's, yeah, that's all he does. But he's, he has to have his own parnas, his own things. Like, what do you expect from the man? So here's what I'm saying. J-Root Radio is really, is really you. It's you. So come down Sunday night. Sunday night, 805 Avenue T. 805 Avenue T. It's going to be at SLC. For those of you who don't know what that means, stands for, it stands for Sephardic Lebanese Congregation. It's a beautiful, beautiful shul. Only a certain amount of seats there. A lot of seats. That's why they took the shul. And, and there's a lot, a lot of seats there. Um, we don't know how much room there's going to be. If you want to get cheaper tickets, you know what? Go to Hafiz and Bar Park. Go to Eichler's and Flatbush today. They have tickets. Go online to jrootradio.com. It's simple. Just go there, right? If you have a problem, it's too expensive. Greenfield, Kolel. My husband's in Kolel or in Chinuch, and we can't really afford it. Everybody asks for stucca. It's not stucca. First of all, you're doing it stucca for yourself. You're doing it chesed for yourself. You're going to walk out feeling empowered. Amir Tzashem. And you'll be able to, they're going to be question and answers. Also, let me tell you a little bit of the schedule. A lot of people are asking me about the schedule. So, Basically, it's divided up. Uh, Mordechai Weinberger is going to be speaking first about parenting. And he's going to make, he's going to, oh boy, he's got a really powerful presentation in mind. Um, and then we're going to have Dr. Nudman, who's going to be speaking a little bit about psych, uh, psych, um, psychiatric medication, etc. And just psychiatry, just to give you a, a little flavor. A lot of you have children. You might be thinking, maybe some of them ADD, this and that. What do I do? Should I be scared? He's going to be addressing that a little bit. And then I'm going to be talking about marriage by Hashem Yisbarach. And then we're going to have questions and answers. Uh, we hope for there to be PowerPoint presentations as well. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be nice. We'll all be together. So we want to see everybody. 805 Avenue T, Sunday night. What time does it start? It's called for 645. Doors open. It'll probably start around 7. Yeah, Jewish time, right? <laughs> so it might start a little bit later. But I, I gave you sort of the schedule. We hope to see you. Okay. Now, now I want to talk about something else. Today's class, wow, today's class in Mitzvah Shem, it's going to be amazing. Why do I say that? The reason I say that is because I had a shmuz with a very chash of a year this morning. And I, I, I wanted to get even more Torah sources for what we're going to talk about today. And he, he actually helped me, a very chash of a year. I just want to mention his name. But um, I'll tell you like this. Somebody came over to me last week, another very chash of a mensch, very chash of a mensch, uh, Rav Mendel Berlin, very, very chash Mensch. He writes, he has these Parsha Torah Suites Parsha Weekly. Amazing, amazing Parsha insights. And, you know, everybody's got something from the Parsha. Everybody's got, you know, I know now a lot of ladies listen to us on Thursday afternoon, and your husbands might take out a certain safer on Shabbos to read the Vay Torah. If he doesn't, or if you even want to get, you could subscribe to uh, Torah Suites Weekly, I think it's called, by Mendel Berlin phenomenal, phenomenal Divrei Torah every Shabbos. And the reason I like it so much also is because he brings it like into life, into our everyday. So it teaches us lessons. You know, you can get, the, you can get the, the, that weekly just by emailing mendelberlin at gmail.com. Now, so he came over to me, he says to me, says to me, and I have a question for you. And he knows, you know, I work with couples, v'chulu. He says to me, I- I'm writing on the topic of lo sisna esachicha bilvavecha. You should not hate your brother in your heart. And we know there's, there's the halacha, that if you feel resentment towards someone, you're very, very upset. You're very upset at someone. For whatever reason it is, he duped you, or he, he messed you up in business, or he did something to you, you should not hold the resentment in your heart. You have to communicate to him. Ultimately, you have to communicate to him and tell him, and tell him what's bothering you. So he asked me, how does that, how does that sort of, 
fit into a marriage? Where in a marriage do we have that? Does that mean in a marriage that you just basically have to communicate with your spouse all the time and say to them, you know, what you did wasn't nice, or I asked you to leave me money, you didn't leave me money, I asked you to come on time, you didn't come on time, where's stuff with the cleaners? I don't understand. Is that what the Torah means to say? Is that what it's all about? Like, how does that sort of integrate into a marriage? And I want, I want to really address that. And he's, if, you, if you subscribe to his news, you'll see he'll, he quoted me a little bit of what I said, but I, I actually want to just, I, I want to expand on it, expand on it, and, and I want to speak about this today. It's very, very important. And you should really hear it till the, end, till the end of what we're talking about today. And that's like this. Number one, we have to remember, your spouse, your husband or your wife was not always a husband or a wife. Before they were a husband or before they were a wife, they were single. And before they were single, for however long they were single, the age before that was their, teen, their young adult years, and before that was their teenage years. And I just want to tell you, teenage years are very vulnerable years. Very, very vulnerable. Teenage years can go either way. It could be very successful or it could be very unsuccessful. If you have or if your spouse has had unsuccessful teenage years, it can affect and probably affected their self-esteem, their self-worth, their feelings about, about their capacity, their competency. It's going to play a role in your marriage unquestionably. If you feel that your husband or your wife is hypersensitive and you can't say anything to them because they blow up, because they go crazy, because they criticize you, they attack you, you just say anything. You just you just want to mention something. You know, what happened today? Like, I didn't see you. Why'd you come late? And then they just like go off on you. They just go off on you. You can't speak to them. I am telling you, many if not most of the time, it has to do with their youth. First of all, obviously the younger ages, the adolescent ages as well, but more so the teenage years. And the reason I say that is because today's teens, today's teens, especially today's and teens of yesterday, are very vulnerable, are very sensitive, are growing, and have a lot of challenges. The teens today have challenges that we didn't have. I make myself sound like I'm so old. But you know what? They, they, didn't, they, they do. They, they have challenges that, they, that we did not have. There's the technology. There's the kids who are off. There's, there's, there's so much available, so much information available. There's the independency. There's opportunities. They don't need it. It's like, you know what? I'm not interested. I'm just not interested. Just leave me alone, Ta. Just leave me alone, Ma. And that's what, it hap that's what happens. And then it, it falls into a toxic situation. And many of these kids, unfortunately, if they don't go off completely, they, they dwindle. They dwindle. And they're not doing good in yeshiva. They're not doing good in their school. They're just dwindling. Now, again, I'm not, this is not blame. We're not blaming anyone over here. We're really not blaming. We're not blaming the parents. We're not blaming. But we have to realize that this is happening. And we have to realize that your spouse was a teenager once. And if you think to yourself now, think to yourself, well, how was his teen years? How was her teen years? How big was that family? His family. Sometimes, can I know how there are big families and Baruch Hashem, parents who are having big families are able to pay attention to all the kids. They could do it. They do it, Baruch Hashem, and they have successful children. And you know what? They, or they do it in a way where the older ones taking care of the younger ones. So you can have a family of 13, 14 kids. Today, you know, today, you know, Baruch Hashem, we're having a lot of children. It's a big, big, big zach. It's a tremendous big zach. But again, if we have big families, we have to make sure that the kids are getting their attention that they need. So you might be married to someone who has had vulnerable teen years. And I want to speak about this for a second. And I also want to speak about this in terms of your own teenager, which is very, very important. And that's as follows. Your teenager does not choose most of what he does in his life or most of what she does in her life. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Most of the decisions that your teenager has are really not his own decisions. Let's think about it. First of all, what your teenager wears. The boys are all wearing white and black because that's, that's it's a, it, technically it's a uniform. I mean, these days, okay, I'm not saying some yeshivas, you know, they have color shirts and this and that, the other thing, but generally, generally, I mean, I know the item that I'm speaking to right now, and, and there are exceptions, but generally, even the boys, there's a certain dress code that they have to adhere to in yeshiva, right? Girls have uniforms, so they're not choosing what they're wearing. That's number one. Okay, fine. Next, what they're eating. They're not choosing what they're eating. They're coming home and they're eating whatever mommy has for dinner. 
And breakfast, okay, maybe breakfast, they got the shoes a little bit, and lunch, all right? They pretty much eat what the yeshiva gives them or what the school gives. There's no choice. You don't get to, you get to eat what mommy's serving you. You know what I'm saying? When you wake up, you really have no choice when you're waking up. Your teenager doesn't have a choice. He has to go to yeshiva. Okay, he might not be going to yeshiva. He might be sleeping in. But it's not a matter of a choice. He didn't choose to wake up at whatever time it is in the morning to go to yeshiva. That's what he has to do. Yeah, that's normal. It's normal. That's what he has to do. That's what she has to do. She has to go to school. Summer, you're telling your teenager well, you're going to camp. I'm sending you to camp. Or, I'm send, you know, or, this is, or we're going to a bubble kind. This is what you're doing. There's not really much of a choice. Now, that works very well for younger children because younger children don't need choices. Meaning, younger children, okay, they want choices, but they don't need it like a teenager. A teenager's, a teenager's built-in circuitry requires him to become independent. He or she is now going through a phase where they need to take those risks, where they have to make choices, where they have to decide on their own. They're going to have a burning desire to feel that you validate them, that you trust them, that you feel that they're competent, and that you know that they're making the right decisions in whichever decisions that they're making. And they don't have a lot of decisions to make. So you know what decisions they have to make? And you know what? Before Pesach, maybe you're going shopping with your son to buy a suit, and you went to the store, and he gets to choose what suit he wants. So you know what? You might look at him and say, I don't like that suit. I don't know. I don't think it fits a yeshiva bachar to wear a suit like that. Let it go. He needs that. I love my son yeshiva. They might mock him. Isn't that? You know what? It's his decision. Let him make those decisions. If he makes the wrong decision, sometimes that's actually good. Now, are you listening to me right now? Because some of you might be listening to me. I might be, might be a little bit turned off by what I'm saying. But you know what? I'm going to say it anyways. Because this is not a feel-good show. This is a show about empowering your connection with your husband and your with your husband or your wife and empowering your children. Trust me when I tell you this. This is not my own vartlach and it's not my own thing, but I've had that experience. Children need to learn responsibilities. The only way they're gonna learn responsibilities is if they have choices, if you allow them to choose. If your son or daughter is gonna stumble. If your child is going to make a mistake and they're going to suffer because of their mistake, many times it's not just okay, it's what they need. If they're going to miss the bus in the morning and they're going to have to walk to yeshiva now, even though it's a little bit cold or a little bit hot and you're feeling bad for them, guess what? If you're going to somehow hold the bus for them, okay, talk about your teen kid or whatever it is, or you're going to somehow somehow work it out for them that it all works out, you know what you're doing them? You're doing them a disservice, not a service, a disservice, because they have to, they have to stumble a little bit sometimes in order to rise again. That's what your children need. They need to stumble. So if you see that for whatever reason is your child is going to get himself into a situation, I'm not talking about a situation of life and death. I'm not talking about a major issue. But I'm talking about small. I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. Here's an example for you. Your son has this mishigas. He likes to put a fan on at night. He gets hot. So you know what? This might be with your husband, by the way. He gets hot. So he likes to put on a fan in the summer, in the winter, in the this and the that. He likes to put on a fan. And you're thinking to yourself, boy, this kid is going to put on a fan. He's going to catch himself a cold. He's going to get sick. He won't be able to go to yeshiva. He won't be able to learn. He's not going to do well. He's not going to be able to have... Loves him up. Loves him up. What do you mean? He's my child. I'm supposed to take care of him. Ladies. And this sometimes like, ladies, taking care of him means sometimes allowing him to stumble. That's what taking care of him means. If you don't allow him to stumble, he's never going to have the taste of failure. He's never going to have the taste of a challenge. The only way for him to learn is if he fails. And you know what? Sometimes he'll make the right choices. And when he makes the right choices, he's going to feel good about himself. And you know something? It's funny because in the olden days, because everybody was so, 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 so busy, people didn't have time to circumvent their children's problems. They didn't have time to tell the bus to wait for the kid. They didn't have time to sit with the kid all night because he has a test tomorrow. Now, he didn't study with his friend. He, was, he has a chavrusa. He has a study. He's supposed to study for how long. So now you're going to stay up with him till 2 o'clock in the morning because he has a bechina tomorrow because you don't want him to fail a test. Guess what? 
guess what? You know what? Sometimes he has to fail the test. He has to fail the test. And then he fails the test and he realizes that, you know what? This doesn't work. And then you don't come back to him and say to him, you see? You see? You didn't study. I told you to study with your, with, with your chavrusa. You could have studied a long time ago and now you failed the beginning. Or regions. This is another big one, ladies. Those of you who have kids in the regions, right? I told you to study for the regions. See what happens? You failed. What does it mean? It means he's going to have to go take an extra course. He might have to take the course next year. He'll have to do it twice. It'll be so much harder for him. He'll do it twice. This and that. The other thing. You know what? Sometimes at teen years, we have to allow them. To tell your child, you have to go to sleep. You have to go to sleep. You have to tomorrow wake up. Come on, shakas, wake up tomorrow morning. It's early. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. How many times are you going to tell your children to go to sleep? How many times? Again and again. Go to sleep. You know what time? Yeah. Tell them once. Tell, maybe twice to remind them. Maybe that's it. And then go upstairs and go to sleep yourself. And if you go to sleep yourself, hopefully that'll be a good example because the biggest form of chinuch, actually reading interesting Ami magazine, what's the most important part of chinuch, the most important tool for chinuch is what? Is to be an example for your children. To be an example. If you could be an example for them and they see you doing it yourself, then they will do it. Gentlemen, I know you don't want to hear this. I'm so sorry. I'm being like so tough today, right? Gentlemen, you want your kids to help mommy clear the table? I'm not saying you should go clear the table every second because that maybe you don't come from a house like that. You don't do that. But you know what, gentlemen? There's nothing wrong middle of the Shabbos table. Even if there are guests, say, excuse me a second, and for you to go and to help your wife and declare something. Declare something. Take the chalons and bring it back to the kitchen. You know, it happens to be the chalons is very, very heavy. And bring it back to the kitchen. Yeah, bring it back to the kitchen. Because your children need to see Tati also helping. If they see Tati, okay, Tati also helps. This is our responsibility. Tati does it himself. Okay, so Tati and Sandy are helping all the time, but you know what? Do it yourself. This is the best example. What I'm coming here to tell you, though, is that your teenagers, or maybe your husband or your wife who was a teenager, didn't necessarily have the opportunity to make his or her own decisions. He was constantly being criticized. She was constantly being criticized by their mother or by their father. But you know what? It's not even necessarily that they were criticized. It's that they weren't given choices. Are you listening to me now? I'm sorry. This is a very, very important part. Whatever you're doing right now, I know you're preparing for showers, whatever it is, this is a very important piece here. I would say stop. It's not even about criticizing your teenagers. Sometimes you're not even criticizing them. You're just trying to help. You're really just trying to help. Because you know, if they leave that fan on at night, you know, whatever, it, it's going to keep them cold. Or you know that, you know, you know that you just clean the kitchen. Your daughter comes, she wants to bake cookies. But you just clean the kitchen, you, she's going to make a whole mess. So you're not giving her the opportunity. You're not giving her the choice. You're not saying to her, you know what, no problem. I just cleaned the kitchen. I'm going to allow you to bake, not a problem. But just one thing, when I come back here, I just, I want to feel like it was, the kitchen is exactly the way it is right now. That's the way I want it is in the future. Give them an opportunity. Give them choices. Allow them because they really don't have choices. And you know what's going to happen? Your daughter, she might bake those cookies and with her friend and she's going to get so lost she's going to try to clean a little bit and she's going to fail. And she's going to come back. You're going to come back and you see the place is a mess. At that point, you don't go to your daughter and you say to her, you see, I told you, this is why I don't do it. Bring her to the kitchen and show her. Say, say remember, we had, we had a deal, right? So what do you think? Okay, that's it. That's it. Trust me. Your child, who you never give her the opportunity necessarily to bake after Shabbos because the kitchen is so clean. Or, or And I, by the way, I'm not blaming you. I understand where you're coming from. I do. I do, I do, I do. But not giving your children, especially your teenagers, options, the choices, not trusting. What are you listening to right now? What are you listening to? What type of music? I see you have your iP- I- I- whatever, the iPod on or whatever it is you say to your teenager. What are you listening to? Could I, what are you listening to? Are you listening to whatever? I hope you're listening to acapella. You know it's Sphira. You know it's Sphira. We don't listen to it. It's a Sphira. We don't listen to regular music. It's acapella. Right? You listen to acapella. Right? 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 What do you think your child feels? I'll tell you what your child feels. Your child feels like you don't trust me. You don't trust me. You're constantly questioning me. You don't trust me. You don't trust me. And what if Chas Vishal they're listening to regular music? Let it go. Let it go. Trust them. Trust them. If you hear it's regular music, okay, figure out a way to somehow give them that piece of information in a nice way, in a nice way. But trust them. You don't understand it's going to affect their future relationships. I can tell you. The reason I can tell you, because I see it all the time. I see it all the time. Most of these controlling issues stem 
from childhood. Most of these control issues stem from childhood. It's not a controlling husband. It's not a controlling wife. That's not what's happening. And I hate that label. I hate that label. Let me tell you why I hate that label. Because you, there are far and few in between those controlling husbands and controlling wives. All those controlling husbands, you think, oh, they can't, they're controlling. No, they're sensitive. They're hypersensitive. They didn't have a good childhood. They weren't, they weren't given the love. They weren't given the trust. They weren't given the validation. They never felt that their father is machshiv them. They never felt that their mother is machshiv them. They never felt the love from their father or the validation from their mother or their father. And it affects and that's why your spouse is so hypersensitive because he necess didn't necessarily get it from his mother and his father. But it's not always like that. It might be a disposition. I'm not saying not. It might be just a disposition, meaning it just might be his personality. It just might be through his balance. Some of you are thinking that to yourself, you know, I have different kids. I have different kids. And each of them has a different type of personality. That's true. HaKadosh Baruch gives us personality. Sometimes we have a, a sensitive personality. That happens as well. That happens as well. But where am I going with this? Let me tell you where I'm going with this. Where I'm going with this is, number one, if you have teenagers, allow them to make the choices. Allow them to fail. And through their failures, they're going to learn responsibility. Through, through stumbling a little bit, they'll learn to rise again. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. You have to allow them sometimes to fail. And you have to be mavater sometimes when they make the wrong choices. Or at least choices in your mind you think are wrong. So you, your daughter, you're going shopping with your daughter to buy her an outfit and she chooses something that it's not, it, it's halakhically fine, but you feel it's a little bit, you know, it's a pasnish for my daughter. It's pasnish. Luz up, luz up, let it go, let it go. Rabbi Greenfield, what do you mean? Let it go, my community, and this and that, the other thing. Trust me on this one. If you don't allow her to decide, if you don't allow her to have it her way, she's going to have it her way anyways. Trust me, she's going to do it herself. You know what? She'll buy the dress that you wanted, but guess what? She'll do something else that you don't want. And that's something else, believe you me, believe you me, is much, 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 much worse because that's already halakhically questionable. And this is not halakhically questionable. This is sneeze. It's just not exactly to your flavor. Again, I'm sorry to be like sounding so rough and so like muster like today, but I'm telling you what works. I'm telling you what works. These children especially these teenagers, need to be able to make whatever choice. Let your son sleep with the fan so he'll get a sniffly nose. Okay, he made the mistake. He'll learn himself. Let your daughter bake those cookies. Um, whatever other little choices they have, whatever choice, they want to buy this, they want to buy that. The kid wants to buy a hat. He wants to buy a hat, but the hat is like a small, it's in style. I mean, in style. My, we never wore hats like that. I know when I grew up, I wore a hat, it looks normal. Now these hats, they have like little tiny rims. I don't think it's appropriate. Like, what are you doing? Why you buy? Your child wants to buy it. Teenager, he wants to buy that. That's what they have in his class. Let him buy it. Okay, fine. Nobody in the family wears it. But you know what? He's wearing a hat. There are plenty of kids who don't wear hats. I'm not saying that. Again, you have to wear a hat. I know all sorts of people listen to this, to this show, okay? And it's not about having to wear a hat. But it's about your social circle, right? Believe you me. Believe you me. If you start dictating and controlling him, he's going to feel resentment. He'll do it. Because you're forcing him to do it. Oh, wow. You got your child to do what you want. You win. You win. No, you lose. You lose big time because he'll do what you want right now, but later he'll do what he wants. So you have to give him the opportunity to choose. I'm sorry. This is very, very important. Now, some of your husbands might be like this because that's what they experienced when they were kids. Some of your wives might be like this because then they experienced when they were kids. And then what? And then you just want to say to them in their face, you just want to criticize them, you just want to question them, you just want to give them musr. Rabbi Greenfield, it says, it says you have to be open, you have to release, you have to communicate. There's the buzzword, communicate. I have to communicate with my spouse. I have to tell them exactly how I feel. Tell my, 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 my wife exactly how I feel, how I'm upset at her, because I said to her specifically not to leave. When she drives the car, if the gas... Gets low. I said to her, please get gas. I don't want to get into the car. I'm having a rush. I'm going to Manhattan. I'm going to this. I'm going to that. And then I have to go get gas. I don't have time to get gas. So if you're going to drive the car, don't leave me with no gas. And I'll come into the car again. And then this guy, so I'm going to come back home. And I say to her, can I ask you a question? Why, why didn't you leave me any gas? We spoke about it. What do you mean? I have to be open with my wife. I have to be open with my wife.
Achen vei. That's all I have to say. Achen vei. Exactly. Achen vei for the husbands who come home and criticize their wives like that. No hello. No how are you. No how's everything. It's just boom, boom, boom. Criticize, 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 and question, and question, and question. Okay, listen to me. This is very important what I'm saying to you. There's another issue. It's in this week's parsha. Parsha's Kadoshim. Lifnei iver loisiten michshal. Lifnei iver. In front of a blind man, do not put a stumbling block. You know what you're doing when you're coming home and you're criticizing your wife? Even if you're 100% right. Because you told her specifically. You said to her, listen, Devorah, Miriam, Sarah, Rechama, whatever her name is, you said to her, listen, honey, whatever you call your wife, you say to her, listen, I just want to tell you, when you drive the car, I'm asking you, I, you have a credit card, don't leave the gas tank empty. It annoys me. You said to her a million times, and now you come into the car again and it happened. And you're going to come back home, and the first thing is going to be like, why didn't you leave me gas? Why didn't you leave me gas? Let me tell you what you're doing. You're putting a stumbling block in front of her. She's going to feel distant. She's not going to feel loved. Her primary need is not going to feel filled. Her emotional gas tank is not going to feel filled. You know what she's going to feel? She's going to feel like you don't care. She's going to feel like you're critical. She's going to feel unloved. And chances are is she's going to strike back. Now, I'm not saying, ladies, that you should. <laughs> of course, you, those of you who listen to my shows, you know how to react, hopefully now. And if not, when we're talking about it, you can join the workshop or whatever it is. But you know what? Here's the point. The point of the matter is, is that you are putting a stumbling block right in front of her. You're creating distance, and that distance is very likely going to cause her to say something which is not going to be to your liking, meaningly it's going to hurt your feelings, right? That's going to be machlokas, because what the next thing is going to be you're going to lash back, and she's going to lash back, and you're going to lash back, and before you know it, you're in a whole fight, and you're making, and you, you, you know what you're doing? You're being over the love. That's what you're doing. You're being over love. So here we are being a tzaddik because I had a sister. So I have to tell my wife exactly how I feel. And I just came home and I just got a release. No, 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 no. No, absolutely not. At first, when you have that feeling of resentment or hurt or, or like, why did you do this to me? The list of pirates that we go through, right? Pet peeves, you irritated me, you insulted me, this and that. Always, always, always be mevater in the beginning. Be mevater in the beginning. Let it go in the beginning. Let it go. There are exceptional cases where you know something is going to lead into a fight. Then I say, okay, say to her, I know you don't mean to, but I, I'm feeling uncomfortable whatever, because you know it's going to become a big fight or whatever it is. But other, those are exceptional cases. In general, you should be telling your wife or your husband Nothing about your ill feelings towards them. Nothing. Don't say anything because you just saw them. Don't say anything because it just happened. Don't say anything because you got your hats on. You're hungry, angry, tired, or stressed. You just came home. You're very angry. It's going to come out the wrong way. You're going to be put a mixture in front of her. You're going to trigger her. She's going to say something not nice. You're gonna, it's going to trigger you. You're going to say something not nice. And before you know it, boom, 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 a virus galore. The Shekhinah runs away from your house. And the Kedusha, listen to this. The Kedusha that was in your house and you worked so hard because last night you took your wife out and you had a nice time and you spent time together by the water or this, that, wherever you did. Whatever you did, it all goes out the window because you had to release. Because No, 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 no. You control yourself. You control yourself and you don't say anything right now. But Rabbi Greenfield, does that mean I can never say anything? I could always have to be mevater? You know, I don't say that. I, I don't say that. I don't say that. But remember, remember, your wife might be very sensitive. You know what the Gemara says? Let me tell you what the Gemara says. What the Gemara says is, Have zoir ishtai shemishum dim asa mitsuya aynasa mitsuya. Be very careful with the isser of aynas dvarim with your wife hurting her feelings. Why do you have to be so careful? You know why you have to be so careful? Because her tears are very common so too, the Isra of Aina is very common. She's going to be sensitive. She's going to be very, very sensitive, your wife. You know why? Because she's not going to feel loved. She's not going to feel cared for. She's going to feel like you hate her. Well, what do you mean? I'm just, talk I'm just pointing it out. And by the way, I'm not, I'm not just talking to men. 
I'm talking to women as well. This is, a, this is a female problem as well. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry to be so strong today, but it's true. I see it all the time. Not all the time. I see it a lot. Where the woman just has to say, I just got just to gotta stick it to you. I just got to tell you, you know, by the way, the garbage wasn't taken out. I just want to let you know. I just came home. That's all you have to say. Or by the way, I just want to let you know, you didn't leave me money this morning, you know. By the way, I swiped the credit card. There was no money on it. It was He just came home. He just came home. Ladies. Men, what are we doing? What are we doing? Be mevater, let it go. Do you have to negotiate? Yes, sometimes you have to negotiate. But far and few in between. Yes, far and few in between. So when do I negotiate? But Greenfield, sounds great, but when do I actually negotiate? I can't go through everything with you today because obviously this is a big, big, big partial. But I'll give you some klalim, okay? Some important klalim. Oh, before I speak about the klalim, I just want to mention one other thing. One second. You're still with me. Wow. Great. I'm happy. You know why I'm happy? Because this is important. This is important for your relationship with your spouse and with your kids. Okay, now, one thing I want to say here is very, very important. And that is, again, your spouse might have had a challenging childhood, especially in their teen years. Not because your in-laws are bad people. Don't get me wrong. Your in-laws are amazing people. They really are amazing people. But they didn't understand that when they're caring for their child, they're really doing a disservice for them. They didn't allow them to make choices. They didn't allow them. And basically the message you're giving your, your, your daughter when you go over to her and say to her, what book are you reading? Can I, can, I, can I ask you a question? What are you, what are you reading right now? And you know it's a Jewish book, but you don't really know if it's whatever. Or let's say it's a non-Jewish book. I don't know what to use the term chas v'shalom or not. That depends who's listening. But let's say it's a non-Jewish book, right? They're reading a book. I don't know. Yeah, okay, okay. You'll decide whether it's appropriate or not. But they're reading something that, you know, is that from school? Where did you get that book? What's going on? You know what you're basically saying to your daughter? You're saying to her, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. What are you reading? But the implied message is I don't trust you. So maybe a much better way of doing it is maybe letting her finish to read that night because she's going to read it anyways. And then later on, you could go and look at the book and see what type of book it is. Then you can see what type of book it is. And you know what? Most of the time you'll see it's fine. It's really, really fine. It's fine. It's fine, let it go. And if it's not fine, if it's a book that's inappropriate, chas v'shalom, then you speak to your husband and you figure out what to do with your daughter and not to have her feel like you don't trust her, not to have her feel incompetent, not to, have, not to, not to give a strike to her self-esteem, but to do it in a loving way. In a loving way. I can't talk about it right now. It's a whole process. But to do it in a loving way where after the conversation, your daughter will feel loved by you. So you can't just like, boom, just go to her. What are you reading? What are you doing? Oh, uh, what are you wearing? What are you this? What are you that? And that's why your spouse is being so sensitive many times. That's why your husband's being so sensitive sometimes. That's why your wife is being so sensitive sometimes. And that's why you cannot fix him or fix her. You're not her, you, you are not her drill sergeant. Gentlemen, you're not your wife's drill sergeant to tell her what to do all the time, nonstop. A lot of you are doing this. You know you have to leave guys in the car. You know that you're overeating. You know you didn't park legally. You know that when you're cutting the salad, you don't have to call it that way. You cut it, I'll show you cut it a different way. You know that, you know, you leave your keys like over here. You know the house is a mess. You know this, you know, well, I'm just trying to help. I'm just trying to help my wife. What do you mean? Azer Konegdo, right? Trying to help my husband. I'm the Azer Konegdo. No, no, you're more Konegdo. You're not the Azer. You're not helping. You're destroying. Because your husband doesn't want to hear... Um, exactly that, you know, your husband's not interested in hearing right now that it's his manfila. He knows himself. He has his own cheshman. If he doesn't have his cheshman, there's a way of somehow hinting it to him in a different way, but not now. If you can hint it to him without hurting his feelings, okay. He knows already that he has to learn every day. He knows that he has to go to mincha. He knows these things. You want to drop a hint in a subtle way? Be careful. Be very, very, very careful. Because it's not what he's feeling. He's not feeling a hint. He's feeling controlling. Why are you eating that? You know it's not good for you. You just went to the doctor. You know it's full of cholesterol. Why are you eating that? I'm asking you, why are you eating that? Is that the way you're talking to your husband? You know it's not good for you? You're driving with your husband, let's say, from Brooklyn to Lakewood, right? Why are you taking the belt? I don't understand. Why are you taking 65th Street? Why are you taking the belt? Why? I don't understand. You're just trying to help him. Or gentlemen, I'm talking to you too. I'm talking to you too. Saying to your wives, you sure you want to eat that? Um, uh, you sure you want to wear that? Um, you're sure you want to, uh, you know, you want to leave the beds like that in the morning? You know what's going to happen. The, the blankets are going to be on the floor and it's going to be messy and this and that and, 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 and you know, you, you want to leave, you, you, you leave the dishes like that? 
You're not going to clean up after yourself? Like, hello, we're not drill sergeants. We're not mashkichim. We're husbands and wives. So husbands and wives, our mission is to be mevater. That's our mission, to be mevater and to let it go. Are there times that you have to negotiate? Yes, there are times. And now we could talk about it. What are those times? Okay. Times are like this. Sometimes it's true, you do have to negotiate. You have to be so careful. You have to be so careful because negotiating with your husband or negotiating with your wife, you are taking a tremendous risk. You're, what you're doing is you're, you're walking into a minefield or you're walking into a burning building. And I want to tell you, when you go into a burning building, you're going to save someone, you're going to get burnt. You're almost for sure, sure going to get burnt. And you have to realize, if you have to like, shots up or criticize or, or point out to your wife something, you are going to create distance automatically. You tell, you're going to come and say, oh, by the way, I don't stand. Why did you leave me gas in the car? I told distance, distance. Now she doesn't feel close to you. She feels far from you. And you're going to have to repair that distance. So you have to understand that. So the only time, the only time that you should ever consider negotiating with your husband or with your wife is number one, if chas v'shalom, there was an atom bomb. When I say atom bomb, I'm talking about a situation where mamish it was like sitting on the table with your parents and your husband embarrassed you in front of your parents and you were like mamish turning red, blue, green, purple. You were like, I can't believe my husband ever said that. I can't believe my wife said that. It embarrassed me like a really, really horrible thing. You know what's funny? Whenever I say atom bomb, people always think, oh, my husband does atom bombs all the time. My wife's husband. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about those things. It happens all the time. It's not about it. I'm talking about exceptional, exceptional cases, and you can't shots it up right away. You cannot, I'm telling you, you know, shot, sorry, the word shots up. You can't decide, well, oh, that was the atom bomb. No, no. Right now, you feel the atom bomb because you got your hats on, and your blood pressure is, is, is up, and your heartbeat is elevated, and your body is telling you, I hate, I hate my husband, I hate my wife. So you know what? You got your hats on. That's not a time to decide it's an atom bomb. You decide it's an atom bomb after you take preliminary steps, which we're going to go through soon. So, oh, so before, before I even tell you the times, two things. I'm actually going to read a piece of my workshop over here. Before you enter the, the, the burning building, you must know that. Number one, you will definitely cause distance between you and your spouse, which will need to be repaired. Every additional issue you bring up will cause more and more distance. So you, you choose your battles. You choose your battles, guy, okay? Because if you don't choose your battles, I'm telling you right now, you're going to bring up one or two and then three things. <laughs> you're wasting your time. You're going to get into a big fight with your wife. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. You should have been Mavata, but if you can't be Mavata, because we'll talk about it in a second why, that's that. Next, B. There is a 50% chance that you will cause your spouse to put her angry hats and there will be an explosion. You hear what I'm saying? There's a 50% chance that this criticism or just pointing out, I'm just pointing out to you that you didn't leave gas in the car for me. Or I'm just pointing out to you uh, Moshe, that you didn't leave money to, for me this morning. I'm just pointing out that you didn't leave the garbage this morning. I'm just pointing it out. I'm not being mavata. I'm just pointing it out. The 50% chance that you're going to cause your spouse to put his angry hats on and there's going to be an explosion, which you don't want. Is that what you want? Like, seriously. What's worse, that he, he left the keys in the morning or now that he's screaming and belittling you? Obviously, right? The only two times to ever consider the risk of entering the fire is either A, an atom bomb, which means you have already tried to take off your hats, given yourself the hour, Followed all the previous steps, which I can't go through right now. You, we could get that from a workshop or whatever. But you still feel so belittled and so betrayed by your spouse that you simply cannot act normal towards him anymore. So now already you could talk about assistance. I've done everything I can. But I know that if I'm a vater anymore, I'm going to feel resentful. And some of you, this happens with your spouse where you know that your husband, it lets go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. But he's really not letting go. He's holding it in. He's holding it in. He's holding it in. And then he becomes passive aggressive. Very dangerous. But that's number one. Number two, toxic pattern. Meaning you've already tried talk, taking off your hats, given yourself the hour, followed all the previous steps. But you know this is a toxic pattern that's going to happen again and again. And you're not going to be able to deal with it. Because if you come to the house again, you say to your husband, I'm not going to have a chance to whatever it is. And you say to him, please do me a favor. I need you to feed the kids. I'm, I, you know, Every Tuesday night, I'm not going to be able to come home. I need you to feed the kids. I need you to take care of it. I need you to clean up. Whatever it is, I'm only asking you Tuesday nights. And like two, it happened already two weeks and he's just not, he's just not, he's not, 
He's not helping you. He's not helping you. And you know you're going to feel very resentful. Okay, you're Mavata. You're going to feed the kids now. You're going to come again next week. You're going to feel resentful. Okay, that's a time maybe you have to negotiate. But I want to tell you, there are 10, 10, 10 steps you have to follow before negotiating. 10 steps. That's how complicated it is. Really, that's how complicated it is. 10, 10 steps. I'll give you a couple of them. We don't have time to go through all of them. Number one, check to see if you're wearing your hats through a self-hats assessment. We can't go through that right now. Number two, can you put out the fire without entering the building? If it's a practical issue, could you say to your husband or your wife, was everything okay today? I tried calling you, but I couldn't get through. Number three, timing. Is this a good time to speak to your spouse? Number four, space. Is this a private? Do you have privacy? Are the kids around? Number five, are you ready and willing to ignore your spouse's excuse minimization of their action? Meaning, if you're not going to get a total apology, are you going to be okay? If your husband doesn't say to you, I'm so sorry, you're right. He doesn't say that. He, says, he gives you an excuse. And he gives you like a half-baked apology. Are you going to be okay with that? There are many, many factors I don't have time to go through today. Before I leave, I just want to mention like this. Again, ladies and gentlemen, this is the first time we've ever done this in J-Root. I'm asking you, you listen to my shows, you listen to Mordechai Weinberger, come down Sunday night. You could buy tickets, Hafiz, Eichler's, online, jrootradio.com. Baruch Hashem, the feedback we're getting is tremendous, but I want more and more people to come. I don't want it just to be 100 people. I want it to be more and more and more people, 200, 300 people. Come on down. Sunday night, 805 Avenue T. Program is called for 645. If you haven't heard the beginning of the show, it's going to be parenting. Mordechai Weinberg is going to be talking about parenting. Then we have Dr. Nudman is going to be talking a little bit about psychiatric medications, just to understand what mental illnesses are all about. I'm going to be speaking about marriage. Then we're going to have a Mitzvah a question and answer session. B'Shem Hashem, Nasev and Atzliach. The tickets, proceeds are all going to go for JRU Radio. It's not expensive. Or maybe, you know, I should be careful when I say that. Because you know what? Maybe for you, it is possible $36 is very expensive per person and $60 per couple. That's why we're saying you can buy early bird discount. There are other things that you can do. You can, uh, you can go to Eichel's and Hafiz now. You can buy the tickets for... Uh, uh, what is it? Oh boy, it's uh, $50 a couple, $30 per person. If you can't afford that, send an email to uh, Mega Directions Event or text me. We'll give you a code to get it even cheaper. We want everybody there. We, want to, we don't want to be 100. We want 200, 300 people to come down. There's space for that. Buzz is good. It'll be successful. But we need you there. Meaning, we need you there because there'll be chizik for everybody. And like, you know, like, again, like Rebruvain told me, he said, it's a great, 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 great opportunity just for people. But you know what? He says, he says, but as Hashem, people should come. Really, really hope that people should come, will be empowered. And as Hashem, it'll, it'll be Kedusha. It'll be Kedusha in the room. It'll empower you, help bring the shechina, the chinuch, the connection. And Be'ez Hashem, you'll walk away feeling empowered. And you know what? Helping, helping J-Root, helping J-Root. So we hope to see all of you, Mirza Hashem, Sunday night at 645, 805 Avenue T. Have an amazing week. Question, answers, feedback. Questions, feedback, comments, 917-397-2841. 917-397-2841. Have an amazing, amazing week.